0: How many of you want some advice this morning? Three of you, great. That's what a pastor wants to hear. We're going to talk about a great lesson in a moment, but I want to give you some lessons as we get started. Ladies, wives, you, you teenage young ladies, college ladies who are looking to get married someday, here's a great word for you about a man. If a man says he will fix it, he will. There's no need to remind him every six months. And the women said, amen. Hey, don't raise your hand on this. Would you like to lose a little weight? Don't raise your hand. We have a picture that this is how many of us feel. No, it's not water. You seem to be retaining food. I know some brutal doctors in First Baptist who would tell you that. Uh, men. You want to get married someday, Braden? You want to get married someday, Caleb? Y'all want to get married someday, Austin? Y'all want to get married someday, gentlemen? You're kind of undecided, I understand. Okay, you married guys, you want to just, just listen to this. A lady said to her husband, I have a bag full of used clothing I'd like to donate. And the husband said, why not just throw it in the trash? That's so much easier. And the wife said, but there are poor starving people all around the world who can really use my clothes. And the husband couldn't help himself, and he said, honey, anyone who fits into your clothing is not starving. The doctor believes the husband will recover fully from his head injuries. So, would y'all agree it's better to keep that mouth just zipped sometimes, isn't it? It absolutely is. Colossians chapter 2, if you have a Bible, Colossians chapter 2, we're going to look at some, uh, some lessons from God. That I believe can transform your life. I know it can because I believe in the power of the Word of God. And I know from my own life, this lesson that I'm going to share with you that I learned that changed my life, it can change yours. Let's begin with this this premise. How do we find success with God? How do you find success with God? You need to you need to want success with God. Success with God is not about money or it's not about toys or anything like that. A, a simple definition of success, and it is a good definition, it's accomplishing one's goal. One way you can define success is you accomplish the goal that that you set to accomplish. And the two the two things we're going to look at this morning are two goals you need to have as a person, and if you're a Christian, you need to have this as a Christian. But let's answer this first question first, this first goal. How do I find God and get to heaven? Do you want to know God? Do you want to, do you really, do you want to know God? Do you want to get to heaven? Amen. Only if you're normal and sane, you want to get to heaven. Everybody wants to get to heaven. Not many people are going to be there is what the Bible says, but it's very possible. The question that's been asked now for thousands of years is how do we know God and how do we get to heaven? I want to give you a couple of thoughts. One is religion. If we're just religious enough, the context of this Colossians 2 revolves around people who were were religious God through Paul's writing, the churches in the Colossa area in a, a, a heresy, which is a false teaching, has risen up called Gnosticism. And Gnosticism is fairly complex, but Gnosticism comes from the Greek word which means knowledge. And Gnostics were religious people who pursued knowledge. And boy, there's Gnostics alive and well in, in the American Christianity today for sure and the Gnostics said things like this that Jesus Christ and remember Jesus only been dead and arisen now 25 years so there's people who knew Jesus still around there's no way he could have been fully man because you can't be God and man there's no way that could have worked and they're trying to get to God through their knowledge and religion and and that won't get there Uh, another way is through works man we have always tried to get to God through works in fact the, the Bible addresses that because it knows that if you're just religious enough and good enough and try hard enough, then that will you'll connect with God, right? I mean, that's what would make sense, but that's, that's not how it plays out. Martin Luther was a great Christian leader in the 1500s. The Lutheran church bears his name. Protestant churches, which would be Baptist, Lutheran, non-denominational churches, Methodist, we all find our roots in the, the term Protestantism. And he's the father of that. And he was a monk. He was a monk before he was a Christian, by the way. And he would do everything he could to try to get to God. He would scrub the toilet buckets. I mean, all the the nastiest, hardiest hardiest jobs he could do because he thought if he could just do something that was dirty enough and hard enough that he could get to God. But he realized that, that that didn't work. Let me give you a third way. You're counting on, many of us are counting on knowing God and getting to heaven. That's by our feelings, by our emotions. If I just feel a certain way, that means I belong to God. If I don't feel a certain way, I don't belong to God. Now, folks, I don't want to confuse you. The Holy Spirit, if you're not a Christian, He does try to convict you and draw you to God. But that's, it really, it's, it's longer and it's more than an f- emotion, and, and if you are a Christian, the Bible says the Holy Spirit assures you that you belong to God. But that's more than an emotion, too. That's a, that's a deep spot in your heart that God confirms and, and gives his presence and peace over an extended period of time. But I've talked to so many people through the years. I remember years ago talking to a guy who came to my church every Sunday morning, every Sunday night. Good guy about becoming a Christian. He kept saying, I just don't have the feeling. I don't have the feeling. Are you waiting on a feeling to come to God? Do you think a feeling or a lack of feeling is, is going to determine whether you belong to God? Well, in Colossians 2.6, it says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Jamie, just leave that verse on the, the screens for a while. Receiving Christ Jesus as Lord, to receive is an intimate act of taking something into your life. It's intimate. It's not just knowledge it's an intimate thing. So to receive Jesus, he's talking about becoming a Christian. And when you receive Jesus, if you have, it's more than getting baptized. It's more than believing facts. It is It is taking him intimately and personally and wholly into your life. Now, I'm going to chase a rabbit, but it's important to the context, and it's very significant for us too. You see what he says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord. That particular phrase, Christ Jesus the Lord, the only place in the New Testament it's found is right here. And it's significant. Every word in the Bible is significant, but obviously these some of these words are very significant. Christ is the Greek word. Remember, the New Testament was written in cr- Greek for the Hebrew word Messiah. And they're saying something very significant. Because Jesus, they're talking about, they, some of them knew who Jesus the man was, Jesus is the Greek for the Hebrew Joshua, which means Jehovah is salvation. He says, this Jesus, who many of you still may remember walking around, he he is and was the Messiah, the anointed one of God. He is and was the Son of God. Put it back on the screen just for a second if you would. This Jesus is, and it says Christ Jesus The Lord. Now, if you're taking notes, man, this is so significant. Lord means controller. It means supreme authority. It means God. See, if Jesus Christ this morning, if you're a Christian, if he really is your Lord, he runs your life. He doesn't run many of our lives. But that's what Lord means. Now, here's something else super significant. I've shared this before. I'm going to share it again. The Old Testament was originally written in Hebrew. In Jesus' day, they had translated the Old Testament Hebrew into the Greek Old Testament. It was called the Septuagint. Probably the Bible Jesus read out of was the Greek Old Testament called the Septuagint. And in the Greek Old Testament, the word Lord used here, kurios, kurios is the Greek word, in the Old Testament, when it would talk about God the Father, it would often refer to him as Kyrgios, Lord. So here, right in the middle of this debate about Jesus being God, Jesus being man, he's not God, he's not man. He just right off the bat, he goes, hey, if you're saved, by the way, here's who saved you. Not some good guy, some good teacher, some good prophet, but the anointed Messiah, Jesus, who is God. Amen? That is powerful, isn't it? So when you receive Jesus Christ, you didn't receive a just a good guy. You received the Messiah, the Son of God, Jehovah is salvation, the Lord God into your life. Is that not wonderful? The question is, how'd you get him? <laughs> how'd you get him? Religion? You got baptized? You got sprinkled? You felt it? I'm not opposed to feelings. Feelings aren't the answer. You received, if you're saved, you received Christ Jesus as Lord by faith. He's assuming that in this text, that they knew that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, one of the great passages of Scripture, for by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. You didn't dream it up. You didn't start it. It's a gift of God, not the results of your good work so that no man could boast. You are saved by faith if you're taking notes. Faith faith means not only mental acceptance and trust. It means a commitment of your life to someone or something trusting Jesus to save you is you're putting your weight in his hands that's scary for some of us amen little caloric humor I'm sorry okay how many of you trust your pew right now how many of you walked in looked at that pew and go I don't know I'll let my wife sit down first and if she doesn't break it then I'll sit down right I mean you're taking it for granted you 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 trust you trust that pew to support your weight right Absolutely. See, salvation in Jesus Christ, a faith that saves you, and this is going to be real important how you live the Christian life, is mental acceptance, it's trust, but it's a commitment of your life. You are putting your weight, your life, your soul in Jesus' hands to save you. That's how you are saved. Now listen, and it has nothing to do with feelings. Isn't that interesting? For by grace you have been saved through feelings. For by grace have you have been saved if you feel it. He doesn't say that, does it? You have been saved by grace through faith. Adrian Rogers was a great preacher in Memphis, Tennessee years ago. i never forget a sermon he preached about salvation. Here's what he said. He was looking at the congregation. He said, if you want to be saved today, you don't wait on a feeling. He said, "Salvation's based on the facts. You trust the facts by faith. Feelings may come. Feelings may not come but you're saved by the faith. Listen, here's the facts. Jesus Christ came to earth, son of God, son of man, died on the cross, walked out of the tomb. He's trying to save you this morning if you're not saved or someone you love. That's the facts. The facts say that you will be saved if you will place your faith and repent and turn to him. And you do that by faith, right? 1 John chapter 5, verse 12 and 13 are verses you ought to learn. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may hope that you have eternal life. Did it say that, Merrick? That you may know. Now, folks, again, I'm not downplaying feelings or emotions. I, I like to feel God and feel good, and, and, and I like that as much as anybody else. But nowhere in the Bible does it say you are saved by feelings. You are saved by faith, trust, commitment to Jesus Christ. Does that make sense? It's really important. It's eternally important. But here's the second question this morning. It rose right off of this. How do you live the Christian life victoriously? Man, oh man, many of you are Christians. And, and, and you, you are like me. You struggle to live for God like you should. You do well, you, you, you know those staying three steps forward, two steps back, right? You know, you go to ch- you mean, you're in church every week for two months, and then you miss a month. You read your Bible every day for three weeks, and then you don't read your Bible for three weeks. We're up and down, aren't we? Am I telling the truth? For for somebody you know, you know someone you know who's like that? Colossum was near... Heropolis and Laodicea. How many of you ever heard of Laodicea? You ever heard of that? we got a picture on a map of these places. Uh, if you see that little white, like a bull's eyes, Laodicea. There's the Mediterranean Sea in Jerusalem in your far right corner. And those cities probably Colossae and Laodicea are about 11 miles apart. So a lot of scholars think when this letter is being written, it's being circulated to the churches in Laodicea and Heropolis and Colossae. And in Revelation chapter 3, Jesus addresses the church in, in Laodicea and not very well. How many of you remember that story? He tells them, you are lukewarm. And I'm going to spit you out of my mouth if you don't turn. If Jesus is saying he's going to spit you out of his mouth like a bad dip of skull, that's not good, is it? Why was it and here's the lukewarm, a little context. Hierapolis, there was hot springs there and they piped the water in to Laodicea, but by the time it got there it wasn't hot or cold it was lukewarm and you know if you go to a restaurant today and your your tea or your drink is lukewarm it just it is not good and lukewarm is apathetic it's up and down it's not consistent and so it's in this context that he's writing this to him how do you live the christian life victoriously i'm going to tell you a couple ways we try one is is we do it our way i think that's the american individualism Many of us today are living for God on our terms. That's called idolatry. You thought idolatry was just worship in a totem pole. No, idolatry is what your God is. If your God is something besides Jesus the Lord, that's idolatry. And when we say, I will give and come and serve and do it, and it fits into my schedule of my life, I'm God, not him, correct? Sure. And and just, I'll go ahead and tell you, trying to live for Christ on your terms won't work. It's not designed to work. A second way we do it is by feelings. We do it by feelings. We we get, ex- listen, I'm not against feelings. The feelings are wonderful, but feelings will get you in trouble if that's all you're depending on. So I feel good. Young people, you go to camp and you're fired up and you come back and you're motivated. And a month later in those feet, you go up and down, right? And it's not just young people. It, we've got we've got almost three thousand members. We may have a thousand here today. Where are the other two thousand? Do you, anybody know? Can you help us get them here? We would love to have them. Tell them they're invited. Part of it is, is we do like this. Well, we just don't really feel like going anymore. We're just not into. Part of it is. People may not be saved. Some of it's just Christians. We're, we're controlled by our emotions and our feelings. And that's and, and in this context that he addresses this oh so beautifully. Look in verse 6. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord. How'd you receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By faith. By faith, which is a trust, commitment into Jesus. So walk in. In Him. Walk means to live, to travel around, to do life. In Him, in His presence, enveloped in Him. Listen to what He says. This changed my life and it can change yours. You do not live the Christian life based on your feelings and emotions. Nowhere in the Word of God does it say to do that. You live your Christian life by your faith, trust, commitment in Jesus Christ. Here's my lesson for you. 1982, I got saved. Radical, radical salvation. And man, God just turned my life around. It's a good lesson. God can save anybody. God can change you. God can save that person you love. Man, I went from wanting to drink Every time I got a chance to, to want to read my Bible, it was weird. I went to church because I had moved back home and my old man made me go to church. But to love going to church. I mean, I was fired. I I felt God. I, I didn't even walk. I just, man, I was like I was on a hoverboard. I'd go to church and I went to a different church than my parents and I'd see my parents and he'd say, how was church? It was great. I never heard a bad sermon. Some of you are going, I want to go to that church. (laughs) Losers. Uh, Excuse me. That was tongues coming out. Man, I wanted to read my Bible. Man, I didn't ever want to read my Bible. Josh Moore, I hated singing in church. I didn't sing. Men didn't sing in church. I just sat there like this. I didn't back then you didn't have screen, you had hymn books. Y'all remember the old days, hymn books? I wouldn't pick up my hymn book. I went to church. I got saved on a Monday. I went to church on Wednesday and the weirdest thing happened. I started singing. It was terrible. People were moving away from me. But it it just came out of my mouth. Isn't that neat? I was, man, I was in love with Jesus and he was in love with me and everywhere I went. Here's me and Jesus. After about six months, you know what happened? The feeling left. I prayed, and I didn't feel anything. I went to church. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. The preaching wasn't any worse, I mean, any less because it was good than, than it was six months ago. Something was me. I read my Bible. It was flat. I prayed. It was nothing. And I was immature in the faith. So here's what I thought, man. I thought, God's left me. God's left me. So I'm going to leave him too. So I just bent back off into the party world. And after about two months, here's a second lesson for you this morning. If you're truly saved, you cannot live the way you used to and be comfortable at all. Do you hear me? That's not a feeling. That's the Holy Spirit kicking you upside the head. And I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit knows how to spank you. So here I am. I tried God, and I loved Him. I found Him, but then I felt like I lost Him. So I go back to Budweiser, and Budweiser's not being good to me at all anymore. And I'm a mess. And finally I realized, man, all all I really got is God. And that's where he wanted to get me. I just didn't know that. He just kicked me out in the desert and said, hmm, you're thirsty. I could be the source. But, man, here's what happened. I prayed. I didn't feel anything. I asked for forgiveness. I didn't feel forgiven. I, I didn't feel like God loved me. And then I started making some discoveries. Some of you were here this morning. Some of you say, man, you know what? I just don't feel God's love. Here's some great news. God loves you and it doesn't have anything in the world to do with how you feel. In Luke chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, listen to what it says. And and are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? Are not one of them is forgotten before? Not one sparrow is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head... That's not a challenge for God with me anymore. Are all numbered. Fear not, you are more valuable than the sparrows in Luke chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They neither store have a storehouse or barn, yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than those birds? You know John three sixteen, and you always think about it as an evangelistic passage, and it is. But it starts, it says, for God so loved the world. So love means tremendously love. The world means some total of individuals. You know what that passage says to you this morning? God loves you tremendously. And you know what? He started speaking in my ear. I love you, and it doesn't have anything to do with how you feel. Is that not great? You need to hear that. And then I also, if I didn't feel God's presence, that meant God wasn't with me, right? And that's terrible because I like feeling God's presence. I mean, I like walking around with the holy hum, don't you? And feeling big bro right here. Yeah, you want to mess with me? Come here, Jesus. I want to introduce you to my friend. But I didn't feel him. So if I don't feel him, he's not there, right? Because I was going to be a preacher later on. God knew that. Hebrews thirteen five. Listen to what Hebrews 13, 5 says. You need to learn this verse. Keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have. I think part of what he's saying here, money can come and go. But God will never leave you nor forsake you. Here's a transformational fact. God loves you and God's with you. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Can you say amen to that? God's with you. God's with you. God is with you. It has nothing to do. I love feeling God, but even when I don't feel God, God is there. Is that not great? How many of you ever confess your sins and don't feel forgiven? Four of us. Good. The rest of you, tune this out. I'll talk to them. Now, what I'm going to tell you is super important. You're not a Christian. Man, you you need to repent and be forgiven. Some of you are Christians and you're living poorly and, and, and listen, a repeated apology is not repentance. That's not original with me, but that's a great quote. But if you are saved and you're confessing your sin, you're trying to live right, it, as much as you want the feeling of forgiveness and cleansing, 1 John 1 9, listen to what it says. It says if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we feel forgiven. Did you get did you see that in the passage? No because it's not there. So it dawned on me, you know what, when I'm sincerely confessing my sin, I'm not going to be perfect, you're not either, but I'm trying to turn from my sin, I'm trying to do what's right. It doesn't matter if I don't feel forgiven. What matters is what God says in His Word. I need and you need daily forgiveness as a Christian, and it's there not based on your feelings, it's based on what you do with your sin and what God says He does with your sin. Isn't that good? How many of you feel like you ever pray and your prayers hit the ceiling? Some of you, some of you are sitting under the balcony. It may not hit there, right? Just kind of goes up here. That's a terrible feeling, isn't it? Psalm sixty-six, eighteen. Says something you need to hear. If I cherished iniquity, sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. So, so here's something to get a hold of. I can't play games with God. I mean, if you're not a Christian, God's not Santa Claus. I love Santa, but he's not, and you've got to come to Christ. And if you're a Christian and you are living your life for you and you've got junk in your life you're not dealing with, God wants you to get that right before he starts answering your prayers. Does that make sense? So you've got to do that. If you're taking notes, Matthew 7, excuse me, Matthew 6, 14 and 15 Say, it's he's the Jesus talking to Christians, if I forgive others, God forgives me. If I don't forgive them, God doesn't forgive me. What, what is that saying? It's saying that bitterness and unforgiveness is sin. I, I can't walk around being bitter and unforgiving towards you. I can hate what you do, but love you. And so if you're a Christian, you're full of bitterness, and you've got junk in your life, then yes, God's not, God's not messing with your prayers until you get it right. But here's the problem. For me, I was trying to get it right. I was trying to forgive people, and I felt like no, man, my prayers weren't getting anywhere. And then I started reading the Bible. Isn't that a novel idea? Write this passage down: Matthew seven, seven and eight says, "Ask and it shall be given; seek and you shall find; knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks will receive; he who seeks finds." And to him who knocks, the door will be open. Matthew 7, 7, and 8. You know what that passage says? Listen, listen, when you're trying to be right with God and you pray, God hears your prayers. It has nothing to do with how you feel. Is that not wonderful? Is that not great? Some of you are struggling because you pray. Now, listen, God may be answering your prayers and he's just saying no. Are <laughs> you saying wait. I hate knowing wait. Don't you? I love God to say, yes, you pray for your team to win, and they win by 18 touchdowns, right, in the first half. The other team just quit, so you don't even have to watch the second half. But no and waiter answers, too. Never forget that. But, guys, your prayer life is not based on on your feelings it's based on the word of god and your faith and commitment and trust in god see some of you aren't reading your bibles you're not consistent in church and it's because you just don't feel like it you don't feel like reading your bible today i understand that i'm a preacher i don't always feel like reading my bible i've got to come to church i get paid to i can't, it's not based on feelings it's, a, it's economy you all with me we ain't paying none of y'all to come right to my knowledge you gotta have a different motivation. Here, man, write this down or put it in your head. When it's hardest to come to church, when it's hardest to read your Bible, that's when you need to come. And you need to come every week. It, hey, Hebrews ten twenty five says, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. You need to be in church every week. You really do. But when it's hardest to pray, hardest to read your Bible, hardest to come to church, I really believe the devil knows God has got something he wants to say to you that morning or at that prayer time or in your Bible, and he's trying his best to keep you from doing it. And it's amazing when you go ahead and you come, you that's when God will really speak to you. Isn't that neat? And some of you are struggling, well, I I don't feel like breaking up with this person. Or I don't feel like staying married. Or I don't feel like doing this or doing that. Listen, doing what's right and following God is not based on your feelings. It's not based on your feelings. It's based on what God says. Here's what happened with me. As I started making those discoveries, I just dug my heels in. And I said, well, this is going to be miserable for the next 50 years until I go on to heaven. But I'm going to stay with God. Miserably, flattened, dead, no feelings. But after about five months, it was like God opened the door and hugged me and said, you passed the test. You see, here's what I think happens with so many of us. We have emotional experiences which are good, but they wear off. You start climbing that hill of staying faithful, but then you fall back down. Some people spend their whole lives doing that, and they never get over that first hump. The devil's trying to tempt you to quit and to back off from God. And the Lord's allowing it to happen to test you and to make you strong. But I can promise you, Colossians 2, 6, you live for Jesus just like you came to know Jesus by your faith, trust, commitment. And I'm telling you, it works. Telling you because number one, the Bible always works. And two, I've seen it in my own life. Let's pray. This morning, if you're a Christian, we'll talk just more in a moment. But man, come back to God. Make a commitment to live for Him with all your heart by faith. You're not a Christian or you're unsure if you are, you're ready today to give your life to Christ, pray with me and just say, Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I want to repent of my sins. I believe you're God's Son, Jesus, and that you died and arose for me. Come into my heart, and Jesus, save me. Let me have your attention. We're going to stand in a moment. Maybe you just prayed and asked Jesus to come into your life. or You're ready to. More than anything else, you've got to settle that. You need to settle it this morning. You come when we stand. I'll be at this door after church. Don't leave the building until you're sure you belong to Jesus. Maybe you'd like to join the church. You can come and do that when we stand. You can do that after church. You need a good home, a church home, and we need you here. If God's leading you here. Come and join us today. Many of you are Christians, and maybe it'll be where you're standing. Maybe you need to come get on your face before God or pray with a minister to come back to God, to get right with God. Some of you are in the middle of that dry spell, and you just need to say, Jesus, with your help, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live by faith, a faith commitment for the rest of my life. I'm going to tell you, it works, but you've got to do your part in that. Let's stand, you do your part.